Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Empire. Play Fantasy Baseball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. We are now a proud member of Empire Media and the Empire Media Podcast Network, hosted by Bram Weinstein. D. Mindy here. I'm joined by La Tarta de Queso. That's Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Little Cheesecake, the LC. LC, how's it going? I- I'm good. What language is that? Uh, I wrote this like two weeks ago. I think the- <laughs> that <laughs> I sounds- totally forgot what it is now. So queso is cheese in Spanish, but I don't, I don't be- think cake is. I think it, cake is pandaria or something like that. Yeah, I Eric's don't. Eric might know Spanish. That could be Portuguese or something like that. Yeah. Is Honduran a language? No. Well, I mean, they speak Spanish in Honduras. Oh, I think. Then- so it's know, Spanish. Hun- it's oh, okay. Since Anyways, David talks about stocks, his stock is low after butchering. <laughs> I think it is Spanish. <laughs> I, th- I think it is Spanish because I did French for you one episode. So I think this is the Spanish version. Yeah, man, I- I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, it's uh, it's the weekend. We usually record on Thursdays. It's Saturday, so I'm feeling pretty loose right now. How you guys doing? Oh man, loose like you could throw a bullpen outing or something? Like, are we feeling like you could, uh, could get out there right now if I asked you to throw a couple innings? I could, I could. I probably won't top 75, but I could get out there and throw. 75? I mean, <laughs> cheesecake. Cheesecake is a velocity I had no idea exists. I don't think I could top over 55. <laughs> My changeup speed fastball is, is, is fast. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, cheesecake! A man of multi talents, man. He's he's something. I'm, I'm impressed. But if we're talking about impressive, we have to go to the other end of the spectrum here. <laughs> Joined by a guy who gives you a big time rush of energy. It's Eric Mendelson, aka the Doc. What's up? I'm ready, man. Here's my big rush of energy. I'm showing you that I'm impressive, right? Did you uh, did you get the reference? No. Big time rush of energy. No. Did you ever watch that show on Nickelodeon? I I know what it's talking about. I don't know why you're bringing it into our podcast. Because it was on Netflix and I watched an episode. <laughs> you're just telling everyone how much of a loser you are. I literally had the theme song in my head for three days. And now that we're talking about it, it's in my head again. But I won't sing it. I will save man, you guys. You, man, man, you can't get cheesecake right in Spanish. You're talking about watching a show on Nickelodeon that you watched three days ago. You can only go up here, David. I, I can, I can. Uh, I want to say before we, we move on here, we still very much love our fan tracks, brethren. You're still going to catch me writing for them. Some of our best friends are over at fan tracks. Uh, but as far as switching over networks, this is just a great opportunity for the triple play brand that everybody at fan tracks was happy for us and supportive of us to take. So this is something that we're very much looking forward to. 
And if you are in the area, you might actually have a chance to hear us in different capacities. So make sure you guys stay tuned because we have a lot of other exciting announcements coming in terms of stuff with Empire Media. But in today's episode, we are talking about stuff. Yes, we have a lot of stuff here. We're talking about the fantasy baseball headaches. And fellas, I know baseball season just started and there's so much going on right now. You have closer committees. You have guys that haven't gotten a hit over the first two days. You have aces getting blown up and everybody's all over the place. They don't know what to do. Well, we are here to settle those nerves today and make sure that you don't go crazy when we talk about beginning of the season headaches. All right. That's the name of the show. Very creative, isn't it? Very creative. All right. Well, we're going to be doing that with John of MLB Moving Average. Should be a great show. So make sure to stay tuned for him coming on later. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, what is your favorite spring training memory slash opening day memory? <laughs> and our game of the week coming in to shut the door. So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then, man, we are here to do it for you. Let's do it! Yeah. Yeah. All right, we have a lot of news and notes, so we're going to be quick. We're going to be efficient. The Royals announced Wednesday that shortstop Adalberto Montesi has been placed on the 10-day injured list due to a right oblique strain. Fellow infielder Nicky Lopez from is getting called up from the team's alternative site to take Mondesi's spot on the opening right day roster. And hopefully Mondesi won't be out for too long, but it's not encouraging to see an oblique injury. 25-year-old Speaster turned in a 303-343-606 slash with two homers, a triple, two doubles, and two stolen bases in 36 plate appearances this spring. Cheesecake, I'm going to go to you first. Do you have a lot of exposure to Mondesi, and are you worried about this injury? I have a little bit of exposure to Mondesi. I'm not terribly worried uh, for 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 the reason why I have him. Uh, I have him in best ball leagues. I think if even if I have him in a roto league, I'm not terribly worried. Uh, they have they say he figures to miss at least the first two weeks. Now I went. The MLB has a health and injury tracking system, which says the grade one a grade one oblique strain typically has a 27 day recovery time, which is longer than two weeks, obviously. So I think you might be looking at him being gone for as much as a month, but with how Monty stacks up statistics, he does it in bunches missing a month. You know, I mean, the only thing I could say is I hope that that is like his bad time of year that month, but, um, but uh, I, I'm not too worried because he still, he still, puts his statistics in bunches he still gets them in bunches so i think he's still going to be able to get you you know two-thirds three-quarters of what you were hoping for what from him yeah i mean this right now doesn't seem super super serious obviously again the oblique injury when i see oblique it does give me a little bit of pause but obviously if you drafted him you're riding it out right now hoping he's still going to give you that league winning stolen base upside let's go to another bit of news here the mets and francisco lindor had been at a standstill for a couple days, and it kind of looked like it was getting a little bit ugly out there with Lindor's camp wanting 385 for 12 years, and the original offer from the Mets side was 10 years at 325. Stalemate ended, and they eventually settled at a 10-year, $341 million deal, which is pretty much right down the middle, almost, of what each side wanted. 
record-setting money for a shortstop. Doc, do you like this deal for the Mets? And what do you think this does for future shortstops looking to get that little paycheck, looking to secure the bag, as the kids say? So I think it's a good move for the Mets. You know, obviously they're under new ownership there. And I think when they traded for Lindor, you don't trade for a star like that without the intention of signing them to a long-term deal, kind of like what the Dodgers did with Mookie. So I think we knew it was just a matter of time before it happened. And shortstop seems to be a thin position. I don't think it's going to reset the market for future shortstops because Tatis and Lindor were kind of the young stars that were ready to get paid. Bogarts got paid a few seasons ago. But I do think for people like Juan Soto, that's going to increase their market value a little bit. So kind of those young stars that are waiting to get their next securing the bag opportunity. I think that it's going to just keep going up and up. Well, right. you guys, uh, I, I just wanted to throw, I, don't, I, I think I'm the only one who's, who's going to bring this up for like a, a hot minute. Steve Cohen put out a tweet that said, you're welcome. Yes. Did you see it? Did he? Yes. I didn't see it. No, I didn't you see saw it. it? I, I love that he just puts everything out there. Like, what do you think is a good amount of money to give Lindor? He, but he, he deleted the tweet afterwards. <laughs> oh, man. Art's so so put him under the microscope, putting him on blast. It's screenshot it. Well, yeah, I, I should have screenshotted it. I went back to find it again and it's gone. But he wrote, you're welcome after signing that, that contract to him. And it's like, uh, rich guy. Hey, listen, we're all happy he's signed, but, uh, you, you just keep your mouth shut right now. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's, that's the bad in you, cheesecake. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, White Sox left fielder elite. Oh. Eloy Jimenez exited the Cactus League game with apparent injury, which we recorded last week at the time. Hadn't they said that it was going to be a substantial injury, but there hadn't come out yet what it was going to be. It's a torn pectoral muscle. I have nightmares very regularly about tearing a pec because I like lifting weights. And he's going to be out five to six months. So if you have him in any redraft leagues, you can let go of him. He's not going to do anything for you this year. I'm more interested in and what it does for someone like Andrew Vaughn, who was getting some plate appearances out in left field, or I should say was getting some run out in left field. Cheesecake, is there someone besides Andrew Vaughn that you feel might benefit and get extra playing time from this? Well, uh, I think Adam Engel is still uh, still hurt right now. He was the first. He's he's one of the guys that they like to play there. Vaughn, obviously. Um, really, I think it just... It just taxes the White Sox depth a little bit, a team that's not that deep to begin with. But uh, it clears up Luis Roberts' uh, um, position in the batting order. He's going to be moving up. He's not going to have to stay as far down as as he was scheduled to be with Aloy in the lineup. But I think it really, I think it really, uh, you know, takes some of the worry off of the ownership of of Luis Robert um, and the fact that he was scheduled to bat sixth or seventh in that lineup. Art, if I were to strap you down and have a, like a a match, like light a match, and say I was going to touch you with it, if you had to know how to say if it was Robert or Robert, would you feel confident in either answer? Uh, I would. I think I said both in that answer, uh, <laughs> but I, I I think it's Robert because a few months ago uh, he came out and said that he just said Robert because he wanted uh, you know us gringos to feel comfortable, but. Uh, but uh, I think Robert is correct now. And am, am, am I? Was my memory faulty on that one? Uh, to be honest, I literally I think hear three or four times a season them saying something came out that he said it was this, and something came out that it's yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. 
I don't know. Get that match ready, David. Get that match ready. (laughs) (laughs) The Rays bullpen lost one of my darlings. Right-hander Nick Anderson had a partial tear of his elbow ligament. He's going to be out until past the All-Star break, so you can look. Diego Castillo already has two saves, which is very interesting. So Pete Fairbanks, obviously someone that you could think could get some run, although I did see that he's pitched in many different innings throughout last season. So, uh, But that does take one bullpen arm away from potentially grabbing saves for a few other guys on the race, in the race bullpen. The Marlins optioned top pitching prospect Sixto Sanchez to their alternative site AAA to begin the season. They will open the season with a four-man rotation. And while the first reaction of many fans will be to assume this is a decision by service time, that's actually not the case. Sanchez racked up 103 days of service in 2020, meaning he only needs 69 days of service this season to reach the full year. I'm thinking in all likelihood Sanchez will be up probably within the first few weeks of the season. Don't you think so, Doc? Um, You know, I don't know. And I think it's a smart move because I think the Marlins surprised a lot of people last year. But I don't think they're contenders yet. And he throws fast. And a lot of times we've seen with these flamethrowers that they can have, you know, arm injuries appear quicker. So I think the Marlins are being cautious. If they're doing well the first couple of weeks, I could see them being more intent on bringing him up. But if he, if they're kind of falling behind, I don't think there's going to be as much a rush to. Well, he's, he's now dealing with, uh, with some soreness and inflammation in his shoulder. He had an MRI on uh, Thursday or Friday regarding that, and it looks like he's going to miss all of April at a minimum because of that shoulder. So, look um, at Art Passen stopping in there. Well, I, I have him in a lot of leagues, so I was <laughs> I'm really on top of him. <laughs> uh, you got that match ready, huh? Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's let's if we're talking about injuries, let's stay with the injury thing here real quick. Talk about Framber Valdez, who has been a absolute roller coaster right now for fantasy managers who now is coming out, according to Astros pitching coach Brett Strom, said his outlook remains positive. We're very, the news is very, very exciting and very good. Um, so this is something that's very interesting. Previously reported he was going to have season-ending surgery to repair his fractured left ring finger, even though he pitched through it. But now, it seems like it's not ruled out that he's coming back. There's no clear timeline. Cheesecake, if you have Framber Valdez... What do you, I mean, obviously, if you have the IL spots, you can stash him there. But if you mm. drafted him and you still have him and there, you can't put him on the IL, are you going to hold out with him or are you just not going on this roller coaster ride when he's coming back? I think you have to. If you drafted him, you drafted him early. You drafted him in the 90s or early 100s. Um, so that is a significant piece of your team. So you have to hold on to him just to, just until we get more information. Right now, they're showing significant progress with the injury, significant healing in the finger. Um, now with a ring finger, a guy throws a curveball. Your ring finger is actually pretty important in your curveball. So we're going to have to see how he looks when he comes back. But I think at this point, you have to hold on to him. Can I just say I feel the opposite? Like, I think it's, it's more encouraging news, but I don't think like coaches and managers always give you what you want. And I know that this is, you know, football, another sport, but think about like the Joe Mixon injury where it's like, oh, he's day to day with a foot injury. And they just didn't come out and say he had, a, he had a broken foot. And from like, he missed from like week five on for the rest of the season. And it was just like, oh, he's day to day. He's managing this. This was an originally serious injury. I obviously they first thought it was going to be season injury, season ending, but I don't think you go from season ending to going back in a month. I still think that it's pretty significant. 
Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, again, I think everybody agrees. If you have an IL spot that you can stash them in, you go do that. And I know in our home league, that's what I did. I waited until the IL, <laughs> he became IL eligible and I, I stashed that bad boy. Mm-hmm. And you missed out on Dylan C's. We're not talking about that. Um, and then the last bit of news, just a, a goodbye from somebody living in the Maryland area. Someone we got to watch all three of us for a little while. Gio Gonzalez took to Instagram to announce his retirement from baseball after 13 years in the bigs. 35 years old. He was with the Marlins on a minor league deal, but decided to call it quits. And if you remember, he's pitched with the Athletics, the Nationals, the Brewers, the White Sox, the Yankees, and the Marlins. So us at Triple Play, we, we wish you a happy retirement. And whatever you do in your next endeavors, I'm sure you'll be great at it. But if you liked all those news and notes, you liked the my Spanish talking about cheesecake, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. You subscribe once, you get every future episode we have for free. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball and basketball show you can check out. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, about lighten up that app with a five-star rating and review to support the show. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Triple Play Fantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides daily questions, bad takes, and of course, our weekly episode drops. If you want to keep the fun going, check out our website, www.tripplayfantasy.com. All the best articles, videos, podcasts, and more, all in one place. Now, fellas, I think everyone in life could use an upgrade, whether it's your car, your house, or heck, even your podcast. Or your brother. No, not your brother. When you swap out your traditional podcast for Triple Play, it's like like your mom came home with a new husband that's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I can't even be mad about it. So make sure that where you're doing the Rock Johnsons, swap us in for whatever podcast you're listening to. And for those that are already listening to us, we appreciate you and we thank you for tuning in to us each and every single week, whether that's listening, watching, or interacting. We truly appreciate it. And we're going to jump into beginning of the year headaches with Mr. MLB Moving Averages, John Lagreza, right after this quick break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. What's going on, everybody? It's Triple Play coming at you on a Saturday. That's right. We are recording off schedule today. It's a bright and cold Saturday out, so it's perfect time to stay in, talk some baseball. And what better way to talk baseball today with, with our special guest? And I want to tell everybody, we welcome in a man who, when he enters a room, he makes his presence felt immediately. This guy is part of the FTN Fantasy Network where he hosts Cork Stats and Talks Bets while also giving you all the Brooklyn that you can handle. One of the smartest men you'll ever meet as he talks stocks, goes in advanced MLB analysis with his MLB moving averages algorithm, and is a dynamite writer. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to the man behind the line graphic logo, Mr. John LaGreza. What's up, man? Oh my goodness, that was... That was that was really something. As as good as I am at giving out the flattery that I, I feel so deeply, man, I'm not very good at receiving it. That was 
that was really <laughs> humbling. That was really humbling. Yeah, it's yeah, it's true. I'm kind of out of nowhere, and you're right. I don't I don't know how to be any other way. It's it's always served me well. So you know, I gotta be me. I gotta be me. I didn't even think you're gonna get me singing there. I'll prove for you, <laughs> guys. You know, hold on. Now it's my now it's my turn. Um, man, you guys are just one of, if not my favorite new parts of the industry, and it's it's not just on kind of a granular level. Like, I like you and the content. There's so much more, and it's what you guys embody. The the branding, the chemistry, the friendship, the passion, the energy, the stats. And, and really what's important, this is what's funny, this is the thing I said, let's jump on the air before we did this, off the air is, and I have found myself on the tip of this spear, and I find you guys are also there and doing a very good job at it. And what I'm referring to is trying to bridge this gap to the public for this new understanding that we have, the new information. Oversimplified, it's the StatCast era. But it's the it's the understanding that we have of what's happening with the release of the ball during its flight, after it gets batted, and the path and expected results and the theory behind it. Now, there are some people who just kind of read the stats, make it very boring, and it goes over people's heads. Then you have cavemen like me dragging knuckles, trying to make it relatable. And I feel like you guys are the porridge that's just right. And you've done a really great job of taking the new stuff and kind of bridging it with the old stuff. And I have a, a true story for you. Um, the man I'm talking about, I was trying to get him on my podcast. I've been twisting his arm. It's my father-in-law, right? So he's almost 70 years old. He's been watching baseball for almost a century. And he kind of represents the old baseball fan that feels left out, right? And he actually, it's funny, he wants to be a part of it and doesn't appreciate the stuffed shirts that don't appreciate it, right? The people that talk down about it, the announcers that make fun of it or don't understand it clearly and like misrepresent it. So. I kind of put you guys on for him, right? You were my, you were my, you were the guy. I was like, Bobby, they're a little bit younger than me. I was like, but you know, I kind of, I'm a little over my shoes with them. I'm, I'm not as cool as my age, you know? And, and that was it. Like he really felt it. And dude, he's 70. He rebuilt his entire garage as like a bar. It's phenomenal. I'm definitely going to post pictures of it if he says, okay, it's crazy. And you sit back, you're knocking back old whiskeys and the, talking baseball, watching it, talking shop, and you guys were on in the household. So there's no better compliment, you know, for me to you, bottom of my heart, you know, seriously, I mean it. And, you know, if I'm one of the leaders of this, you know, group of fringe lunatics of, of new kind of baseball analysts, I am so proud that, you know, you guys are in the foxhole with with me. I really mean it, man. All that stuff straight up. For real. John, you're going to make me cry. I I'm like... You know, it's Man, passion. Like, that's what we have in common. Is that not what we have in common? It's a passion that you couldn't, dude. Wild horses couldn't drag me away. Is it Saturday? Are some people off today? I was up at five thirty singing before the birds, baby, ready to get cracking, crushing stats. I can't wait. Like when this is your life and this is your love, that comes through. And I think that's what I meant about you guys. So save the tears until after, guys. Save the tears. Yeah. But, I, I, I just, I. I just hope to get invited to this bar and drink some uh, some whiskey. Talk oh, baseball. Have, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I was trying to I try to get him to do it because he's a bit 
he's a bit of a crazy person. And it's funny, I think that's the bridge between my wife. Because if you saw my wife, she is like a smoking hot dime piece. And aside from the fact that we're like, I'm like Homer and she's like Marge. Or I'm like, you know, Peter Griffin and she's like Lois. You know, it, it's funny because that is kind of the bridge. Her dad is this wild man with this love for life, dude. Oh, my God, at 70, you'd think he was 45. Just don't look at the bald spots, you know. And it's everything to us, and that's what, dude, that's what it, that's what this is, man. You only go around this, this very go around once, right? You only <laughs> yeah. go around once. I'm making the very most of it, and every time that my horsey passes, you'll see me like waving. Because we're gonna be gotta make the most of it, man. So I, I really feel welcomed here, but I mean that. You know, it wasn't it wasn't BS. You guys are like, there's a there's a real communal sense here, and I know that is talked about a lot in the industry. I don't know if I necessarily feel that with a lot of people because I'm so different. You know, I've been described by my boss, much respect, Kevin, who gave me like, he lets me let my freak flag fly. He calls me the knuckleballer, and it's true. And I kind of embrace that, that I do it so differently, but I try and think of myself as a pro nonetheless, right? Even if I may be doing it completely different than everyone. But like, I really feel a true connection. But let's come on. Let's talk about some baseball, right? Let's that's what we're here. Yeah, I mean, again, your energy that you bring is so infectious. And so when you agreed to come on the show, I knew this was going to be just a fire type of show. I knew this was going to be energy, people that are struggling on their Saturday morning to to get motivated. That's what you're here for. You're going to motivate people. We're going to talk baseball. We're going to have a great old time because, I mean, stats, data, all that stuff is starting to come out now. So we can really kind of immerse ourselves in what we've seen over these few, first few days. And I know people want the overreaction piece. And I feel since it's only two days into the season, let's hold off on that just a little bit. And let's have people that are still kind of freaking out right now with the strategy aspect of the game, right? Those headaches that we're, we're trying to figure out what to do with streaming, closers, two-star pitcher breakouts, all the stuff that you kind of are, are looking at to start the season to get ahead, right? Well, you're the guy for the job. So I want to dive right in here. And let's first talk about closers, all right? Closers are something that everybody's been talking about with these bullpens. Guys already Trevor Rosenthal going down. You have guys like Mark Belanson who looked horrible in spring training, already stepping in and getting a couple saves. So for people that are freaking out about closers, about to just blow their entire fab budget on a bunch of these guys, what is your approach, John, for how you approach closers throughout the season? And as far as fab goes, maybe mistakes that you might try to avoid. Okay, well, there's a lot to unpack. I think first things first. We've all made our beds, and now we have to sleep in it. So I think one of the initial takeaways would be, I happen to be one of those people that was right. I'm sure we're going to get to a ton of things I got wrong. I'm, I wear them on my sleeve. But one of the things that I did get right, and I'm not, generally not a closer guy because I feel like you can find them. I felt the difference here was the very few guys with the potential for 35, let's say, are no longer going to take two roster spots to fill. They're going to take three roster spots to fill. They may take four roster spots to fill if you're the person that missed that boat and now you're scrambling, right? So even though it is okay to churn and burn relievers, I think that's a great strategy. I like to have one space, right? I almost kind of think of that space as reserved and maybe there's like a small bowl spinning there. Is I like to kind of assign each of my bench spots the role and that makes it easier to execute. So if you went into the season knowing that even in a shallow NFBC, one of your bench spots was designated to churn for saves, then you go about doing that. And right now, you're not really freaking out. You're just kind of churning. And if you needed a second spot, then maybe. But if you need a third, 
Now you got to be careful because this is going to get you off strategy. I would, I would also always suggest when you get caught, kind of let's ride the blimp up and take like a thirty-five thousand foot view. Let's get all the way up and look, survey the entire battlefield, and see like if there might be any edge to be had. So I think we need to understand first of all that the landscape has changed. There are just a few guys that are going to get it, and they could get hurt, and then may change. There's only a few clubs that seem dedicated to the role in general. Yankees and Astros, maybe even the Blue Jays are kind of smelling that way to me. I know that's been argued, but but it's very limited, is what I'm getting at. So <laughs> it's, you have what that means, kind of subsequently, like down the road, is keeping in mind that now it takes three guys instead of two, meaning they're now ten and eleven save guys opposed to like eighteen, nineteen. Just do less replacing. I think you have to be satisfied with less. You know, not needing. Three of every five save chances because there might not be a lot of that, and you might have passed on a guy that was getting two, and that may have been better than the one you traded it for. So I think that's what I mean is, if I take my kind of zoom out, I'm saying, all right, this has changed. The right answer was to draft at least one really good closer early. If you miss that boat, you miss that boat. The best way to go about it now would generally be for me to target Ethan and guys with high K rates, low walk rates. You know, we're looking for underlying stuff. And also, for as much stuff as I feel like I specialize in, I'm also not too proud to outsource work. Relieving is a is a specialty, and I look to those who specialize in it, and I'm not too proud to apply their work. Now, I don't follow anybody blindly, but like, you know, Greg Jewett's work, his board that's mm-hmm. pinned in me, is going to lead you in the right direction. Okay? He does the best that he can. His work is incomparable right now, but nobody knows the right answers when it comes to uh, playing time and stuff like that, but he will get you the the names, let's say. So I think that's my answer is kind of be as proactive as possible. My answer is never to overspend in fab because right now there isn't a guarantee. I mean, are we talking about Deepman? Is that, is that what you were getting at? I think I almost not even sure. I want to know Rosenthal is kind of finished before I go, you know what? Someone's going to go 45% of their budget. To me, that's a losing maneuver. To me, that's, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's not a winning maneuver. That's a losing maneuver. And I feel like I could prove that, and I was I was fun to try. Like I'm a newer NFPC player, maybe two or three years, and TGFBI when you're playing competitive people, all chasing saves. I did that, but I, I saved two spaces, like I said, the two churn spots, and I did awesome. I was I I, didn't, I don't think I I don't think I drafted a single save, just as I was wrong. You know uh, that was the year with the Red Sox. Uh, it was going to be Barnes, right? Barnes and Brazier, and it was neither of them. And it wasn't either, right? I thought, well, and I also thought the Red Sox were going to be good. So I thought I had the closer on a 90 win team and I had no closers on a 75 win team. Whatever it was. <laughs> so it's one thing, but you know, that happens. So what you do is you just kind of, like I said, step back and say, okay, whose jobs might be in jeopardy, right? So that might be filter number one. Who's in that bullpen that might be electric filter number two. And then what I'm learning to apply, guys, which I hate because it's my least favorite part of the game, is the business side, which is options and and um, arbitration. So in 20, 25 million words or less, you know, it was a kind of a lot to unpack, like I said. So it's not, it's never, for me, it's never just that easy. Decisions are never in a vacuum. There's always nuance and, and if-then kind of logic trees to think about where the least road to ruin is. Yeah, that's what I'd say is if I were had my back up against the wall, I'm kind of determining that there's an issue and then how I'm going to go about it. And for me, it's role and it's underlying stats. And then you kind of try and grab world. 
put out a $6 bid, an $8 bid, try and nab that guy as fast as you can and kind of cross your fingers, but be willing to get rid of him. If, you know, that's that's kind of part of the game also. That pot's always kind of stunned. So let me ask you about this guy. This is kind of another category of player, and then I'll go to you, Cheesecake and Doc. Someone like a Julian Merriweather for Toronto who came in, got the save obviously because it was an extra inning game, but looked really, really good. Is that somebody that might be on your radar to try to grab now just before if something were to happen to Romano, he's going to be like a Jake Diekman now, or is that you're, you're letting him be? No, I'm gonna have to, I have to let that be. I would make, I would make the $6 bid, the $8 bid if I had Romano because, and it goes to the reason why I'm not overbidding on Merriweather is because I feel like Romano has the job. So, that being my first filter opportunity, I don't think it's to be had in Toronto. However, if you really are struggling with starting pitching, now maybe Merriweather kind of tips the balance of a ratio guy that maybe he could be a, a viable week-to-week guy for you. Again, oh man, I've heard a lot of this, you could start relievers. I'm not sure the volume is there. I worry about falling behind in total Ks. Ratios, listen, they can be excellent stop gaps. I've been known to have Adam Adovito the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's been very good. It's just kind of, you just kind of plug them in when you don't want to get destroyed. You know, and that's, and that's fine. But yeah, I'm not, I want, I want role. I, I happen to mention Toronto, but it's, it's research. So it's not a guess. It's inferenced that Toronto's on the short list of teams that I have that use a closer. You know, people are looking at the game law at the totals last year, I should say, but they're ignoring the context of the game log. It wasn't like they were switching. It was a closer. Then it was a different closer. Then it was a different closer. Now, granted, mm-hmm. it wasn't the same, but there were injuries, and it doesn't mean they never change because of role. But they don't Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, these guys, it seems like. They kind of have one and at least going to give them a run. So I wouldn't be jumping Merriweather until Romano starts to hiccup at the very least. Cheesecake, let's have you jump in here a little bit. What are your thoughts on how closers are being approached right now. Are you going to try to overspend for guys? You picked up Melanson in one of the leagues we're in. Obviously, that didn't yeah. cost any money. It's not a fab league. But if someone like him is on your waiver wire uh, or anybody else in general, what are you, what's your approach to picking up closers? Well, I, I have to echo what John was saying, that if you if you should have tried to get someone who you felt really had the job in the draft. And if you didn't, you're, you're, you're either in a punt-save strategy right or you're 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 scrapping with everybody, and uh, and the point is that picking up a guy now, spending a lot of fab on a guy now, doesn't guarantee that he's the closer. For example, Tanner Scott was a big pickup last weekend, <laughs> and Caesar Valdez got the first save that that Baltimore and Scott was the eighth inning guy. Uh, now Baltimore might mix and match with that. Scott might still end up with ten ten to fifteen saves, but. You did spend a lot of your fab, and now that money's out the window. It's gone. So your your best bet at this point, especially with someone like Melanson, and knowing I I feel like like San Diego sticks with their is is a is a is a coach Tingler's a coach that sticks with his closer as well. Um, based on last season, they were like Toronto. They had injuries, right. but they but they had one at a time when they were uh, when they were uh, between the injuries. I think with Melanson. I, because I think he is sort of just a, a get the job done type closer. I'm not going to throw a ton at him because I feel like his ratios might be, might be a little bit wonky, but, um, but I would, I would, I'm going to throw a bid at Melanson if he's available, but I am not going to, it's not going to be over, you know, a hundred, 
$100. It's going to be something modest, whereas if, if everyone in my league is sleeping, I get them type of thing. I really like to, to get other guys. Like right now, I'm sitting on three guys uh, who might get the role. Um, uh, Lucas Sims, who's who's uh, Cincinnati's going to be mixing and matching this year. Uh, Reyes Maranta, who... who I might have to. I might have to get rid of him because you might have he, to lose some weight, probably. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He well, he also he hasn't looked quite healthy yet. Uh, but I, I, I'm not. Go, I'm not going too. I'm not going too crazy uh, with with anything right now. Um, I, I'm really trying to to look ahead. Uh, another guy I want to throw out there, Mike Carter, does a lot of good bullpen stuff mm-hmm. for Roto Fanatic, and also I know Mike. I I. I use him as a resource. I DM him if I have bullpen questions as well. He's another guy who's really smart about bullpens and who I use. Doc, do you want to put the cherry on top of this Sunday and, and finish this out for us? Yeah, kind of just echoing what both of they say. You know, I, I think you also have to look how the managers use the bullpen. And I know something like the Rays this year, Diego Castillo has gotten both saves, but historically Kevin Cash is somebody that hasn't committed to one person. But then juxtaposing that with Tony LaRusa, that is typically a one-closer type of guy. And one of the things I try to avoid, too, is I feel like closers in places like uh, Baltimore and Colorado, I know obviously Zach Britton years ago, but they historically don't have great success. They might give you the saves, but they're prone to blow up as well. And I think sometimes, like John said, you have to take a shot on a setup man that has good ratios or one that plays for a good team. Because think about the Dodgers. Kenley Jansen is the closer now, but if they're in four save situations in a week. Kenley Jansen might get two. Bruce Dahlgratterall might get one. Blake Trennan might get one. And if Kenley Jansen goes down, then those guys might be in line for increased saves. So I think anytime that you can take a chance on somebody that's on a good team that's going to have a lot of save opportunities, and like he said, you know, spend those 6 to $8 bids so it's more speculative with a potential chance to be, you know, pay off even more. Well said. Let's move then to let's talk about something else that makes people tear their hair out, and that's streamers. And so I'm curious. Oh, yeah, at John, John was trying to yeah, hop yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, 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 and, and you knew I was going to. Well, I, was, I mute myself for that reason on purpose because I. <laughs> That's why I feel like I, next I'm going to have like a shock. I was like a shock mute button or something. But um, <laughs> no, no. But it was just because it's it's very important we're in that time of year. And you mentioned Fab, and that was the part of the outline it was on. Okay, so there's just one kind of mindset thing approaching this and this kind of goes to all kind of auctions and for me sometimes it's baseball card auctions that i might be brokering and getting in the middle of or auctioning off for something and it's it's the mindset in an auction and being careful of not falling into that need to win okay so we're not at the point in the season where there, there should be really any need to win bids i don't know it's not like rosenthal is out for the year you know, had he been out for the year, maybe that might feel like a must, like a need-need where the cash is getting used for the entire season. But aside from that, at this point of the year, it's not there. You can let other people win. The beauty of the auction is you setting the price. That's the other side of the scale that I was getting at, that people forget. Like, uh, in my experience, I, I will always find I'm always more satisfied when I use a price that would make me happy. And if I get it at that price, I'm happy. And if I didn't get it at the price I really liked, in retrospect, I find I'm happy. Even in maybe right off the bat, you find, oh, I wish I won him, of course. Right? That's a human instinct. I'm not saying I'm without those. But I would say I spend, I've spent decades now trying to smooth those edges from trading and high-speed futures and now into high 
high stakes baseball plus betting and stuff. You know, you, you really, it's really important that you're not reactive. It's just really important because mistakes beget mistakes and Especially when you work for yourself, you know, these are more like, it's, it's turned into a Tony Robbins thing, but it really is, is a truth, you know, because we're, we're talking about auctioning and you do these things alone, generally, or I do at least. You have to self-audit. There's no one there to check on you. So if you botch it and you just don't address it, that's a pathway to more mistakes. You know, so I like to go to auctions. Give yourself the perfect price. With three weeks to go, then it's like, I, I need to save worse than my, you know, left pinky finger. I'm going to give it. But right now, we're not at that point. None of these situations, though they may feel like it, are, are that critical. You got to just chill out. We all, and that is coming from me, like the living Tasmanian devil. You know, I just spent seven months preparing for something. And as everyone else, I feel like the starting gun hit and everyone started running. And I'm like, oh, what the, where are you going? You know, where you go, we can't possibly run at that speed for the entire time. And I'm used to keeping pace. So it's just like, you know, man, you gotta let the at bats happen. We need regular plate appearances. We're gonna need warm weather. Like, there's a lot of stuff. And that stuff matters to Fab also. There's, because it, you know, it's based on the context and the context is ever changing. So to spend 30, 40% with so little information in a game where the dollar of Fab is more valuable with more information gained. Is, is kind of counterintuitive. It's probably counterproductive. Doesn't mean that it can't work because anybody could step into shite and it could work. But I'm, you know, we're, you, you're wanting to bring me on for this kind of stuff. So like, that's, that's, that, that's a big thing for fab for me is I set the price, right? You set the price. Get your price. You dictate it. You don't have to pay it if you don't want to, but people feel like they have to. And I've heard about these people who all Sunday, they just raised the bid. Did something happen that I missed? Like, I didn't know. I mean, it, it, I'm just serious that any, Unless, again, someone is hurt on Sunday, uh, you know, again, away from actionable information. When I hear that, and, and maybe you're one of those people, maybe you're not, no one has to confess. But for anyone that hears it, that is, to me, that's an inherent flaw. Okay, there's a process flaw. There's a lack of commitment. Maybe don't set the bid then. Change your process. If you're, uns- if you're at a point where you're going to continuously change it, I would leave it blank and not fill it in until I was committed. Until I was at a point where I said, this is the price I'm paying, not a penny more, not a penny more. Because if you're willing to shift the price, mm-hmm. it makes me worry about the work that went into it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm going to oversimplify, but two plus two is four. You can't tell me it's not. You know, I got that. So, like, I did the work. Now, if we get into some chalkboard full of goodwill hunting stuff, I'm gonna, I might be lost, right? And I'm going to say, oh, maybe it is two or three or four. Then I'm not willing to bet on that yet. You know what I mean? You kind of think of it as a bet. You don't put in the bet unless you're, sh- you know, you're never sure, but unless you're as sure as you're going to get. So for me, uh, that I'm not into the sliding fab. That I don't do. I think that would be another one. Because you could blow 10% of your fab budget. Changing three bids, $30, doesn't seem like a lot. And all of a sudden you just, it was the same bid. And you might have won mm-hmm. with the original one. Now, like, oh, forget it. Right. You know, yeah, it's a total waste. So yeah, there's always process behind the process. John, do you mind me asking how many relievers do you usually roster on your on your NFBC teams? All right, okay. Stand standalone is a little bit different. Stand well, right now across the board, I want the one A, and this is the first time I've ever been that guy where mm-hmm. I have to have. I usually try and pick somebody in the top six that I think would be top three. Let's say, like, I mean, again, I'm not trying to read the world. So for me, this year was Rice Al Glazes. Right? They gave him the money, 
and he had the role, and he, he was going number one closer. Yeah, and he kind of yeah. I have him as my RP one just because people like ask me, "Wow, how did you get to that?" Because it's, it's very hard to repeat. I don't know. You know, it's it's hard to repeat, and he was the cheapest. So for me, he was my RP one. Had he gone, I yeah, gladly would take in Diaz. But my point being, I felt like I needed one of those guys. Mm-hmm. In overalls, in TGFBI, I actually went with the third one, which is the only time I've really done that. Aside, I don't really want to care about my draft champion. That's too different of an animal. Let's stay with mm-hmm. like redraft and AFFs right. and stuff. So there, I think you need, I think you need one, a uh, one A, and then I'd be okay in a standalone league, churning that second and third one. Maybe mm-hmm. hit gold. Maybe have a half a guy for a little bit. Like people kind of scratching their heads. I have so many Caesar Valdez shares this year. It was. Sick. I could probably cut him, and I, I think I. Oh, sorry, I, I could cut him, and I think I got a profit already. Right? If you draft the guy at seven fifty, and and he gets a save in the major leagues, and he was in your lineup for it, but I started him this weekend because everybody's dead. You know, I have missing people because it was a short week, so it was just funny how that kind of worked out. Thank you, Alex Fast, yeah. for that. By the way, that was Alex's call all months ago, months ago. But there's there's that another thing we're talking about, right? We're always spinning bowls. I'm paying attention the entire year. We talked about specializing. And I'm always following people that are following this stuff. You know, you don't have to always do it on your own, but you should kind of keep one eyeball on it, right? Because that's how you stay sharp, and that's how you stay in front of ADP and closing line value. And I mean, so yeah, pretty much you got to make sure you're being the know, make sure you're connected to those on Twitter, especially if they have team specializations like Alex Fast, very connected with the Orioles. Make sure you stick to your guns. Don't stray away from what you set out you're going to, especially when it comes to fab. And ultimately, it's... uh. Pretty much just, I would say, just follow your processes, like you were saying. It's very much so don't stray away from what you think is, is going to happen. And, and if you, if you think something different is going to happen and you fail, at least you can say, Hey, I had the, the process behind it. We'll go back to the drawing board. So like everything you said there, uh, people maybe that have drafted Jake Diekman or something might be walking around with the, their balls in like a wheelbarrow or something right now. But, uh, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Let's move on to streamers here. Another topic that is a very popular part of the fantasy baseball world. So my question for you guys is, do you like to stream hitters or pitchers more generally? And what are your top resources that you like to use for streaming? So John, let's go right back to you. Um, I've, I've just recently began streaming hitters in the NFBC because they allow the midweek. So I think that that is what puts it over the top for me. I'm, mm-hmm. When we're talking about week to week, it also can be very hard to predict those variables, you know, having to see seven days out and with everybody playing during the weekend. So with weekly moves, I'm probably not streaming hitters. In fact, my benches are generally, we mentioned benches before, my gen- benches are generally almost exclusively pitchers. I like to have hitters that I don't want to take out because I want the plate appearances. I want it. My, my fear being with hitters, I'm going to, kind of loop-de-loop and constantly get whipsawed. You know, I'm changing uh, Dave for Art, and that's where the steals were, and then I swap them again, and I missed again. And now the stats were there for either guy, and I could have gotten nothing. So hitters, I in Roto especially, I, I kind of want to be there. Head-to-head points, I probably am leaning on more recency 
you know, um, moving averages is in the handle for a reason. I like to view things uh, with, let's call it, I don't even know, uh, comparative time frames, maybe let's say, because in stock trading, that's a, you know, one of the best indicators that we have, let's say, comparing, you know, people right now are using rolling graphs for baseball. I would argue they're not being, they're not maximizing potential, let's say. So, you can have one time frame, you know, 30 days, but you want to really see the 30 day compared to the 60 day, compared to the 90 day. And those things are going to give you ideas of trend indication and actually on charts, the lines cross. Like they physically cross. This is technical analysis. If anybody is looking up their baseball game, there might be some on Wall Street, believe it or not. A lot of these, you know, if you were to take like trading theories and fantasy baseball success theorem and put them together in a Venn diagram, it's like a damn close to a circle. Um, a lot of it, tra- I mean, so much of it transfers from the mindset to the actual numbers, to the understanding of pattern analysis, and to the, you know, again, not predicting. We don't, we don't try and predict. Anyway, so um, stream, that stream is for haters to be And again, why does it take me 25 million words to say everything? Because I'm so malleable. Because I didn't, I didn't say five years ago, this is how it's done, and I won a championship, and that's it. I'm always backtesting and self-auditing. I need to get better because there's so many young people like you, you know, pushing all day and all night, man. <laughs> Twitter is a, a fount of information. It's a free platform for any, you know, young go-getter, any little Rocky Balboa out there to go get it on their own. I was one of them. Dude, I have zero trading in writing or sports or anything like that. I was a Twitter handle with no followers. And before you know it, I had... I was writing at the athletic. Last I checked, it's a pretty prestigious place to write. I have no idea how it happened, but there's your story, right? Just freaking work your ass off. Just work, do good work, fill the void. If you there's a void of information, boom, you fill it. Do it well, do it right, and consistently, and you take off from there. As far as pitching, streaming used to be wonderful, and now I don't think it's as wonderful. Um, yeah, we're going to be seeing less two start weeks, mm-hmm. and the ones that we do. Uh, you actually put in a note where you kind of asked if I liked the two-star week. You can tie that I've right in, yeah. I've, I've gotten away from the two-star week. Now, granted, if it's a pitcher who you think is good, who somehow fell. That's the other thing, too. It's like, who are these pitchers that are on the waiver wire that could be going twice? And what I'm getting at is this. The way I like to nab them is you got to pick up the Wednesday starter, right? If you're pitching Wednesday, you're going twice the next week. So I always try and check this Wednesday's board for who's going two starts the next time around, and that way you can jump it. You know, um, or I should say, I'm sorry, I'm one behind. Who is going to be starting? Grab the guy who's going to start on Wednesday because he's going to be going again the next time. I'm sorry. There's that. There's that six to eight dollar bid that I was trying. That's what I was trying to get at. Just apparently struggling subtracting two from three. <laughs> when you have this many fingers, enough fingers to do the math, you shouldn't get the number wrong. But these things happen, even to the best of us, and sometimes to the worst of us. Um, but yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's what it is. There's a lot of information to unpack. I love these questions because they take me on these tours, and I'm taking everybody on these like whirlwind rides. But it really is, it's, it's the truth. You know, it really is the truth. You know, I look at everything separately. I used to handle hitters one way, now I handle them differently. And then depending on the format, I handle them separately. Pictures I used to stream all the time, that started blowing up on my face. Now I'd rather have consistent guys and rather than stream and pay for it a lot of times, I'd rather get the high impact reliever in those circumstances. So it's kind of interesting in the way that the fantasy baseball landscape has gone now. I feel like it's more top heavy and bottom than it used to be. There's not this much little gray area. It's like you have the studs that you can expect from and then you have guys that are not consistent. It kind of sounds like that's what you're saying. It's like, hey, if you're not grabbing these guys that you know what you're getting, 
then these streamers, they're not as consistent. You can't trust them every week. Even if they have good matchups, they have opposing lineup that has a low WRC plus against like your, it looks good, but it's not, the process isn't always going to be there, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, there, there really is no objective formula to it. And I think that's an old one too. You could listen to me and say, wow, I like these ideas. Maybe these are things I'm going to apply. But even when you get to that point, you have to put your own touch on it. And then even after that, then you have kind of have to go test it. So I wish I could say it's the answer is like X or the answer is Y. It's just not really, it's just not really like that. All we can do, right, is try and always stay in that kind of, man, probabilistic methodology, right? That's really what we always want to be going back to, putting ourselves in the best position. So for me, if I don't like the streamer now, I'm off the streamer. What do I like? We like high-impact pitchers on a priority basis. Mm-hmm. Let's prioritize them. So I'd rather have one that might give me six innings. But if not, I'd rather have the guy that can give me two of those than a guy that might give me five ugly ones. Because though the jury still seems to be out on the ball this year, we've seen a couple scores get run up. We've seen a couple of whoopsie home runs. Pitchers are getting tanked. Like, you make a mistake, and especially if you get your, you know, you get knocked in the first start. It's ruined already, right? You're already ruined. It doesn't even matter. He has to be good to almost even break even. So it's a losing venture, very possibly, but a lot of times now. So yeah, the two star thing for me is almost, yeah, it's almost a thing of the past. Like, how could a, who, who, who survived? Who made it through the gauntlet of 15 sharp GMs to land on the waiver wire where you're able to get them and start them? Nah, like, I must, uh, no, 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 no. Doc, how are you feeling about there? The two star thing as it outdated for you and streaming in general what are your strategies that you like to do so i think it's cool that you know accounts like streamer exist because he is putting his reputation on the line and saying i'm going with this guy and i think he was brad keller the first day and brad keller blew up and yesterday he picked kikuchi who had a great game and that's kind of the dice you roll when you stream so one of the things i look at is kind of their ceiling like are you going to stream someone like chad kuehl that might go three or four innings max and probably won't be eligible for the win, but might give you good ratios. Or last year, you're going to pick up someone like Tyler Chatwood that might give you seven shutout innings, but at the same time could give up eight earned. Well, that was, he, he definitely showed that. He killed a lot of teams that way. So I, I think the two start isn't as relevant this year because we're coming off such a strange season where so many veteran pitchers are suffering arm injuries. I don't think anyone's going to go 200 innings plus pitch this year. A lot will probably not go past 180. And you're looking at yesterday, we talked about this part of the show, Jack Flaherty, Luis Castillo, Kyle Hendricks, Brandon Woodruff, Hugh Darvish, they all had bad first starts. Eric Cole and Shane Bieber were okay. Kind of their strikeout saved them. But at the same time, Sandy Alcantara and Matthew Boyd had good starts. So once again, it's the beginning of the season. This isn't probably going to be the way that things are for the rest of it. But I think that there's less certainty outside kind of your top tier of pitching. And, you know, what are you going to do with streaming? Do you want kind of that safe floor or the ratios? Or are you going to want someone that gives you a little bit more upside, but ha- also carries that risk? Yeah, no, I agree. And, and good shout out because SP Streamer is the best that does yeah. it out there. Uh, definitely need to shout him out. If, if you are looking, he actually won one of my coworkers a league last year uh, because I, I turned him on to, to Michael Simeon. So I would say pitching, he's definitely the guy. Hitting is definitely not, there's not people out there that I think are as big as him. I know Curlin, Mike Curlin has done some hitting streaming. I know, uh, are, you can correct me, isn't Josh St. Louis, who's now with SP Streamer, isn't he doing, uh, yeah, Josh hitting, Marie. yeah, yeah, he's doing, uh, hitting streaming this year. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are some guys out there that are trying to help you. So like John mentioned also before, the resources are out there on for free on Twitter. So you can use those yeah. and help you. Uh, but Art, let's go to you next. Same questions for you. Two-star streamers, are they outdated? And for you, and what about streaming, hitting versus pitching? Do you prefer one over the other? Uh, for me, I prefer streaming, hitting. It just fits my my uh, my style. Like my my best strength in fantasy sports is that I hustle. I don't give up. I I, I look at all the diff everything I I I can to get the information, and I, I you know I keep my confidence up throughout the season. And with with hitting, you have fifty four chances to change your roster in an NFBC season. You have twenty seven chances to change your pitchers. With hitting, you can find little incremental differences by switching your weekend lineup. You can get an extra game of at-bats from your catcher. You can get extra steals from a guy who, who runs and, and, and has good, uh, is, is up against a, a crappy throwing catcher that weekend. You, and, and over the course of 54 lineup changes over the courses of 162, little incremental differences over that amount add up a lot. Like I was, um, I was looking at stolen bases. If you are able to get five more steals, let's see. If you if you if you take your steals from one twenty to one twenty five, you move up fifty six spots in the, you move up fifty six spots in last year's main event uh, in that category. If you take yourself from ninety to ninety five, you move up like almost forty spots. So it's so really th- that little bit of hustle on your part that that looking for that little edge that's worth a lot. It's worth a lot in the long run. Um, so, so that's one thing I, I, I'm just getting onto that math and, and I'm really trying to find out how far I can take that math and how, what kind of advantages that math can give me. As far as streaming and pitching, you know, I mean, there's a guy at Fantrax named Dave Mendelson who's doing pitching streaming <laughs> this year. He's, yeah, yeah, I heard he's, he's ugly. Uh, he's, <laughs> where's the mute button? <laughs> I'll mute myself. Don't worry. Um, um, it's a, you know, Mike Simeone, uh, he's great at it. He, 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 you know, he's, a, he's managed to get under a four ERA the last two seasons, I believe, with his streamers, which is pretty impressive. Um, again, like, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit less on that because, God, I'm so afraid of one guy blowing up my ratios with a terrible start and trying to have to, you know, dig out from that later. I, I, I'd really much rather, like, like John was saying, get that high impact reliever who might give me like one or two innings, uh, yeah. or that's, that's really effective than, you know, trying to get 10 to 12 innings from a guy who is up against the pirates, but the pirates put seven on him in the second inning, yeah. you know, you know, that's, that's a little bit frightening to me. But of course, if you need volume, I feel like, I feel like what I'm going to do this year, just because I'm, I'm trying to figure, trying to figure my footing is, is let before I start really streaming pitching, I'm gonna let some some uh, chips settle first. See see how I'm looking. See if I have what kind of pitching I actually already have on my roster right now, and then I'll I'll dive in. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, what happened with me? This is what I was. This is really the. This is the back end of the point I was making before about filling my roster with pitchers, and it's it's because of, I don't want to stream from the pool. But if you have enough confidence in your work coming into draft season, you know, I'm, I'm filled all my teams with, 
pitchers in the 20th to 24th round. And a lot of those guys are looking pretty good right now. You know, I have, I have a bunch of Boyd and there's a bunch of like, you know, Trevor Rogers is in there. We've yet to see him. I think Joey Lucchese is going to look really good. You know, but guys that had assured, um, rotation spots that also looked sharp, you know, with again, there's, you know, the opportunity for a serious role. And it's less like streaming if you're carrying, you know, 11 like viable starters with you the whole year. You could kind of weather the storm of injuries or matchups and stuff like that. So I've always been a bit of a volume guy for pitchers. I usually only get, I'll take one guy in the first maybe three rounds. Then I, then I do a whole bunch of swimming in the mid rounds. Now that the work is out, I guess I could put out, you know, my, my rotation was behind the paywall, but. Aside from Hendricks, they're looking really sharp. I mean, Alcantara is my top guy. He's my dark horse for the Cy Young. He's my favorite pitcher in the whole pool. I had to have him in every single league. He was my dude. That was like the my dude of my dudes. He came out and did effing work, kid. And he looks phenomenal. He looks phenomenal. He works up and down and in and out. He's throwing 97 and 71. He has people guessing he looks phenomenal. And the strikeouts, I think they're there. So like he, he could be you know, a top kind of 20 guy. And I think that kind of happens all the time. I think it's harder to find the hitters that make that huge leap than pitchers because a pitcher could kind of like make a pitch mix change or get some velo or visit driveline or something. The projection systems don't pick up on it. When hitters make adjustments, the offensive projection systems are all over that shit. Very hard to fool at the market with hitters. Everybody's so hip to it. All the advanced stats, you can search, you know, expected Wobicon and now a DHH from Connor and all these incredible stats. They all give you these awesome lists and you land on all the sleepers. Pitchers, I still think guys totally fall through the cracks. Another guy, Man, he looks sharp as shit. I have Ryan Yarbrough everywhere. Again, guys, that tangible change. He got, listen, he got demoted and came back with a new pitch mix. So for me, as a trader, that information before that actionable event is spoiled. It's no good. It's sour. I don't use that. So for him, it's a small sample is what we got. That's all I got. Yeah, I use a small sample because all I have. But in the small sample, and when you consider the price, which again is always, these things are always working, the scale is always going. He checked every single box, good team, locked rotation spot, you know, the division's a little tough, but the way he throws, everything's down, down, down. He's And him too, the, the strikeout with the, you know, with the pitch mix change kind of picked up a little bit. I don't think he's ever going to be a 30% K guy, but if he's going to be a 23% K guy from the 25th round or whatever, you hit gold or 18th, 19th round or whatever. So I have a ton, I have a ton of guys already that were marked as boring that now seem pretty damn exciting. And a lot of people wish, you know, they had them. My next guy, he didn't go yet is Eflin. Wait, wait till you see Zach Eflin's going to be a monster this year. Another monster. You're going to see it. The pit, the motion. And he got demoted for Jason Vargas. <laughs> I am tired of buying into Zach Eflin. No, no, this I'm is so, it. No, this I, is the one. This is I, it. I quit the drug known as Zach Eflin. No, this is it. it. Wait, he was good last year. Did you have him last year? He was good for us. I, you know, you have to pay for like him. I feel like I feel like I streamed him on the starts where he was just. Oh, okay. yeah. I, I just I. He's I know so, I've been on him. He's so stressful to watch because he'll yeah, have like yeah. an O two count and then he'll get it to three two <laughs> and then the batter will foul one off and he'll walk and be like, dude, why didn't you just throw one more strike? Like, he did the same exact thing. He him and him and Yarbrough they. Uh, narrative arc, I don't know, the story arc, whatever you want to call it, the plot summary kind of took the same thing. They both, you know, were struggling. They both got demoted for veterans. They both came back. I think they both ditched 
the four-seamer for the cutter, in fact, and then there you go. Like, you know, you I mean, when you take your most used pitch and make it your fifth most used pitch and take a better pitch, and again, I in the articles, I kind of been getting into this after I spoke to Barton Smith, who's a, man, he's a professor of smartness at Utah State, and yeah, he's been into the scene-shifted wake, you know, scene-shifted wake and ball movement and stuff again. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I bring in smart people trying to ask them good questions. And good episode on your on your pod. I, I yeah, four of my skis. I have no idea. I have no idea. But again, there's like trying to be valuable and not being afraid to make mistakes. Actually, you, that ties in really well. It's like you're like the host in a sense because you knew the perfect transition to the last one, which was buying in on if someone's actually a breakout or if it's just a hot streak. And it sounds like for pitching. One of the things that really sells you on is the pitch mix changes, and you see it over the offseason spring training, and then yeah. when you see them go out in their start, they look like a totally different pitcher. What about for is it is it batting stance changes? Is it like in Vlad's case that he just lost weight? Um, so you're like, all right, he comes out and he you know has a hit and two walks in his first plate appearance, looks more athletic. Like, what are the things that you do to try to spot breakouts from both hitters and pitchers? <laughs> yeah, you're you're uh, you're back now. All right, we're good. Okay, I think I might be shamelessly self promoting again because that went to another episode that I did. But it's funny; it's not like I did these episodes so I could talk about episodes I did. I did them because these are things I had questions about that I don't know the answers to. I'm not afraid or shy at all, and I went and talked to the experts. And the expert on statistical stabilization is Russell Carlton. Uh, he's been doing this for wow. What's the better part of? two decades working on this specifically. So I brought him on a show and let him show off how smart he was. And one of the things we learn is disciplinary statistics have the most narrow stabilization windows. So that's a good place to start looking. Um, so it's not so much that I chase the change. I have always been one to look for validation or confirmation. I give you I give you a good trading analogy. These things again oftentimes interweave. You could like Disney stock at a hundred dollars, right? Nice round things are coming there. You like Disney at a hundred bucks, your chart even says so, you're in at a hundred. But something crazy happens on a Thursday and prices just sink. As we know, again, markets don't usually react. Markets generally overreact. And when value is had on the pendulum return to fairness. The main point of a market, its main primary function is price determination, right? So people getting nervous of their not knowing where the bottom is. Everyone sells, 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 sells. And then when they realize, okay, it's not raining, we can go outside, then it kind of bounces. So we're getting into uh, wait, what we're talking, breakouts and continuations, right? <laughs> no, I like this stock talk wait, instead. I got, <laughs> I, got, wait, I, got, I got lost in the analogy, of course. I was about to have this happen. I was about to have this happen once the – oh, okay, right. Disney at 100. So something crazy happens. Disney fly. That's what I was getting at. I got back on track. The ball is spinning. The price flies through 100. Your phone is triggered, right? You're, you're told it's 100. By the time you open the phone, you're out of the trade because as a responsible trader, you told yourself at a 5% loss, you'd be out. But the market overreacted through that. So I don't buy the $100. I pay attention at $100. And I wait for the move up. And you can do the same thing in baseball. So there's confirmation and validation. Don't wait for just the price. Don't react to the price. Because reacting is what we want to avoid. We want to be proactive. 
So the reaction to the price is the attentive nature. The attention paid is the reaction, which doesn't physically cost us anything. Back to Disney. That day, 100 crashes to 95 down to 90. Once we start to see the market pick itself up. Now you get in and I never, you never, don't first of all, never believe anybody that says they bought the bottom dollar. Okay. So in this example, even, even in my imaginary example, I didn't peg the bottom. So it was 100. We went down to 90. By the time I saw momentum at 93, I'm in, and I saved like you know nine percent on my initial um, projected price target. So we can do the same thing with baseball. Let something trigger your attention, and then look for the reaction. Vlad lost weight. That could be great. It doesn't necessarily portend production. Some people will chase the weight loss. What if the weight loss alters the swing mechanics? And the professional that he is takes him 65 days to do that. Mm-hmm. In that 65-day span, we can see two stabilization periods. The, you know, the poor, the, the poor discipline from the new, and then it kind of bounce and bounce back up. And like, that's what we're looking for, that, that, that bounce. Because you don't, the trading adage again, they call it trying to catch a falling knife. You can't do, you can't catch a falling knife. You end up bloody and bruised. You know, you got to wait for it to hit the floor, and then you can go after it when you pick it up safely and grab it by the handle. So it's the same idea. Vlad loses weight, somebody changes uh, uh, mechanics, the twins as an organization are going to start lifting more. You can't just chase that. Let's see it. Now, maybe that'd be something in spring I want to start seeing. They're starting to lift the ball, they lift the ball. Now, maybe this is something we're going to go after and buy. So for me, again, never in a vacuum, always process, process, triggering down the chain, and, you know, it sucks. It sucks. I, wish, I wish it was a little more easier, but, and like more, more fun. Like it's never any fun to be like, "Hey, everybody, we're gonna hurry up and wait." You know, sit down. What's my revise? My revise is nothing. You know, but generally that's what it is: is take a breath, let the market react, weigh the market reaction into your own response, your calculus, and then make the proper response. Because generally, generally, the market is wrong at first. The knee-jerk reaction is called that for a reason. You know, they don't call it the quick wit reaction. You know, it's not the sharp intuition reaction. It's it's not. It's the knee-jerk reaction made by the fools. And I'm going to drop one famous quote, and it's George Carlin. Think about how stupid the average person is, and then realize that half the people are stupider than that. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a quote. I so so I'm, I'm kind of interested, Ben, to build off of that. So your guy was Sandy Alcantara, right? Yeah. So... Let's say, I don't remember if there, there might have been something specifically that came out about him sometime during this offseason. Not to the extent of like a Vlad or, uh, or to, uh, you know, other guys, but if he was, if he was your guy, but then something like that makes his draft price shoot up and you're like, he's my guy. I still want to make sure you get him. Does that still make, sh- does that make you where you're still trying to overdraft to get him? Or when something happens like that, where people are swayed one certain way, they're very reactive, but it's it's in a way that you don't want them to be. What do you do in those situations? Yeah, trying again. Set even this is when it's the toughest when you're in a live market, right? So this is like a live market, which I always tell people before you buy stocks, uh, stocks you can you can chart at nighttime when it's closed and everything's nice and settled. So this is kind of the same idea. You know, kind of, um, crap! I just banged my knee on my chair. I lost my train of thought. That's true. <laughs> I got two strikes on me for this one. This one. Ah, uh, oh my god. I found a picture. I feel like I found a picture of my leg. I'm too old and fat. <laughs> uh, is there a funny bone in your knee? I'm like, Don, do you see him? I'm crying. I'm dying right now. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. That's, uh, 
I've okay, been Charlie. Okay, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Get me back on the rails. Get me back on the rails. I'm good. Get me back on the rails. Oh, we're talking about. Are you are you good? Yeah, get me back on the rails. Okay, right, so we're talking about Sandy Alcantara. Oh, right. Alcantara, what did it for you? Oh, my gosh. That was so weird. I'm, I fidget. I fidget a lot. So I've been told by video producers, I try and, like, lock my legs into my desk because I'm, like, generally a bully. Anyway, so Alcantara, the thing that led me to him, believe it or not, was, was distance. And I had been referring to these weird seasons, 2020 and 2021, flattening the IP curve. So... Uh, my favorite way to defeat a flattened IP curve, meaning lowered expectations for top end innings pitched, would be to get players that excelled on a micro and a macro basis. I guess macro would be total innings pitched. Micro would be innings pitched per start. And if you start running those, which are not readily available, I did a piece for The Athletic. I mentioned it to Nando, who's like, Nando DeFino is like the best guy you ever want to meet. And I, if you mention something, he's like, dude, you got to run with that. He's just like, dude, go. And you're like, well, what do you think? He's like, dude, no, you. You just go do it. Go do it the way that you see fit. And I kind of did a bit of a study on it. And, man, it, it kind of makes sense, too. Pitchers that are very good at innings per start tend to be really good overall because you have to be good to stay in the game, right? I mean, that's right. that's right. part of it, right? The innings, And, in fact, in more so to accomplish innings, you need the efficiency of outs. So Alcantara checked a lot of boxes with it was distance for him at first and then kind of looking deeper in, wow, if he does this and does this, because he always had the the pitch mix going. But also another thing I want to mention to Dave, because Dave was talking about actual measures and one of his fastball velocity. So um, we're talking resources. Listen, let's share it all, baby. Let's open up the curtain. It's opening day, right? Um, Brooks Brothers is fantastic with that. I tend to, it speaks to me because it's charts, right? But I like them because you could visualize it. What better way to visualize fastball velocity than, you know, on a chart? That's much better to me than a, than a list. But you could kind of see the moves and you start pairing these things together again with the all-important price. And then even more so, the last one for me, guys, pitching, I've become almost an organizational slob, a snob, like a brand whore, if you will. You know, where, listen, I've never paid more than $3 for a white or black t-shirt in my life, you know, but this one might be a little bit different. This might be, this might be a different time. You know, you got to look at the label and if it says Cleveland or it says, you know, Miami, there are certain teams that are, are grabbing young pitchers. Tampa Bay, of course, also Tampa's, of course, they're, they're getting the most out of these guys and they happen to be the most analytically driven. Listen, I don't believe in conspiracies, but I don't believe in coincidences either. You know, the old saying, like, I, I, I there comes a point where when you're, if you're trying to coin flip on fan graphs, the answer might just be on the guy's jersey, right? The answer might just be right here. You know, so part of it was that Miami is a pitching factory. Hello, Zach Gallant. You know, not interested. Whatever, whatever. Let Zach Gallant go. Guy's a frontline starter. And because they had a plan, like they had guys to back it up and they knew that. And then you see Eliezer Hernandez. Oh, that guy's awesome. 13 case per nine. Oh, they had this guy, Trevor Rogers. Oh, he's, oh, he just happens to be phenomenal. You know what? We're going to make him the number three starter. We get to take our prize position six though and put him in the ultimate side. He didn't get demoted. They're buying time right now. The Marlins are, I mean, I see I'm a Marlin apologist. I love, because I love pitching. I think pitching wins baseball games. I think pitching wins fantasy baseball championships. So pitching that's cheap is my favorite thing on the board. 
And for me, it was all the Marlins. So there I kind of tied in all 5,000 things I talked about. How I swim in the middle pool, though, but I have all those Marlins. I have all the Pablo. He's going way too late. I have all the Sandy. He's going way too late. You know, why? Because you're getting innings. They had fastball um, velocity upticks. They had positive pitch change mixes. And they're in good contextual situations. And it's like, okay, this was easy for me. Check, 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 check. Boom. You know, so there's pretty much all the process that I could have going forward. And sorry, Eric, it wasn't like I saw one thing. It's the rates, right? So, <laughs> at this point, guys, any question you ask and the answer's too long. Now, from this point on, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, people people would rather hear that talking about uh, all those different things that you said than uh, Cheesecake and Doc. They're, they're very smart individuals. But we brought you on for a reason, and that's that to bring exactly. drop that type of knowledge. So mm. you never have to apologize for that. Uh, especially, especially it also cuts off Doc a little bit, so it makes it <laughs> you know, a better pod. More of them and less. It's you. The answer is generally less of me. I'm good at small <laughs> doses, small, small doses. But like, yeah, very small. But I think we're, I think we're getting to the overdose limit. I'm gonna get that shock mute button. <laughs> I, I, I listened to four hours of you on Rotosaurus's pod. I, I got no problem with a big dose. Of oh, that average. was oh man, those guys too. Um, yeah, we, you guys were shouting out a couple great guys. I think my yeah. my my shout outs for high stake if we're talking about like underfollowed man yeah. what uh what Dave and Jake kinda do and they're they're so funny. It's really unfortunate Dave gets such Dave has this rap on Twitter for being like a heel and it's totally not true. He is one of the sweet he's just I hope he doesn't get mad, he's a sweetheart. He's a sweetheart. <laughs> he's a he is a really good guy. No, for real. He's a really good guy, he's a solid dude. Really he's my friend. You know, he's my friend now. And, and I it started because I DM'd him and I was like, ha you're a bad guy too. Ah. <laughs> and I started, I started saying that him and Jake were demolition. I overuse um, golden age wrestling terms. Nice. That's like one of my things. Yeah, I grew up addicted to like Hulk Hogan era wrestling. So that stuff has stuck to me and everything to me is a wrestling analogy. But they were, yeah, which weird demolition side note, those outfits were just wild. I can't believe my parents didn't watch that. <laughs> I'm learning so many great things about you that I didn't know before. This is opening up a whole new world to me now. Uh, but I, Dave, is a, Dave is a great guy, though. Like, I, I, I will admit, when I first got on Twitter that we had a couple of exchanges that were, like, not nothing malicious. We just we didn't right. get along at first. But really quickly, I mean, he's a really smart dude. And he's gotten to be one of the nicest guys I've gotten to know on Twitter. Uh, and, and I res- respect his work. And Jake's work, all the stuff they do over there, they are incredible. And uh, if you definitely, if you're doing any type of high stakes, you gotta listen. Yeah, absolutely. To their pod. Yeah. Uh, but let's transition. If the, the show hasn't been fun enough already, let's <laughs> transition to the fun part of the show. <laughs> and, and let's start off with the question of the week. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm dying. <laughs> we, we, we lost <laughs> is that are you okay oh, that is phenomenal man that, we we need like well wink martindale i wish i had my, <laughs> my hair up i get the, the long microphone on the skinny stick like, wow that was so great man you guys are well, i tell you i love i just love the branding i love the style you guys bring it man you make me laugh that's important that's important i think yeah. that's what i looked out in the beginning there isn't enough laughing in this and it's funny because I'm like a total goofball, but my work is very serious, right? And you guys are kind of the same. So we, yeah. we're, we're simpatico. We're simpatico with that. And that, that music really just says it all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is, man, that is just goofball times 10. 
And that's what it should be, man. It's, listen, it is a game at the end of the day, right? It should be should be fun. And I find also, we, we want to kill all the, the, the adages, man. If you stare at the small picture for too long, you really miss the big one. You know, yeah. you stare at the one-minute candle, you end up missing the month-long chart. And, and you miss the big move. You know, so I love that, man. You guys are so relatable. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, I love it. I, I mean, again, you, you fit right in with us. This is perfect. I'm dying. Uh, after. I'm dying. After. <laughs> so our question of the week is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Triple Play Fantasy is now official affiliate to Monkey Knife Fight, fastest growing sports betting site in the United States. Make sure you use promo code Triple Play and get up to $50 of your deposit matched when you become a new user if you use that code. Remember, if you're looking to win some cash, make sure you follow Triple Play's Monkey Knife Fight shows coming soon to give you 10 to 15 minute shows with locks to help you win big. All right. So question of the week, John, I know I sent you something in an email, but we gave you an old audible. And All right. I love that. No, I'm on the fly. Let's do it. <laughs> so our question is since opening day was obviously just two days ago. What is your favorite opening day memory? Wait, is this of all time or this opening day just now? Of all time. Wow. My favorite opening day of all time. Wow. It's, it's, wow, it's funny. Man, it's kind of, it's kind of mushy, you know? It's kind of mushy. It's, uh. I'm all for it. Let's yeah, do it. I'm getting like emotional already. <laughs> um, I, I have, I have, uh, deeply ingrained baseball, like history in my family, right? So, uh, you know, it didn't just start with me. It, it wasn't my dad. And like, my dad's a Stratomatic guy, like, even still. So he was playing Stratomatic in like the 70s. And that spurned from his parents and aunt and uncle used to watch, um, you know, the Dodgers. The Giants and the Yankees and, you know, everybody's family is very much from Brooklyn. They were always here. And their, their favorite story always was that you could go from the house to the store and hear the entire game without missing a pitch because everybody was outside with the radio, you know, listening. So I don't go back that far, but that was from my aunt Josephine, who, you know, she, she, God rest her soul is rest in peace, but I'm telling you, she's smiling right now because I did something for the Mets. She's a tremendous Mets fan. And I did something for the Mets a couple weeks ago. And just lately, she's been coming up and I love it. So my favorite opening day was, um, kind of as an adult, uh, she was older in age and I, my family kind of asked me to kind of go live with her. And it was perfect because I was uh, probably in my twenties and could use my own space. There was an apartment upstairs. So it kind of looked perfect. It was perfect, right? I could look out for her and, you know, I kind of had an adult. To make sure I didn't die, I guess. Although at the time, I don't know how I how I avoided that. But anyway, um, and she was always a huge fan. And I I happen at the you know I was always watching baseball. But you're that age; it's easy to forget when opening day is. You know what I mean? You're running around, you're hustling as girls, and you know whatever whatever was going on. Plus, it's like the middle of the week and stuff. You know, you I was working and everything. And it had come up opening day, and she was telling me an opening day story. And I said, you know what, Gene? Let's let's I'm going to take the day tomorrow, and very weird because you wouldn't think a 24 year old's, you know, opening day story was hanging out with an 85 year old woman and like eating like, you know, oh, dude, so stereotypically Italian, like plastic on the couch and like a bowl of hard candies that aren't individually wrapped and stuck together, like straight up like gold furniture, like really like all that stuff. And I remember it and just sitting the entire day and watching baseball and and listening to stories again i went back to my my father-in-law you know i'm gonna love that because i have the history of my blood you know to hear the old stories so my opening day wasn't even so much mine nor can i tell you what happened in the games that were being played but i never would forget the day for what it meant to me you know and and hearing her stories like that like so like that's when i heard you know that's when you hear those stories about man what it meant and and she would tell me about how the I actually had a schism in my family. Like, 
it, it wasn't real, like, people started to hate each other, but it became, like, a palpable, like, like, you knew you were going to get an earful. This is after, um, after the Dodgers left. The Dodger Legazes were stuck because there were no, there was no team. Um, and you couldn't root for the Yankees, right? You couldn't, like, you couldn't do that. You can't do that. Let's say we're talking even 58, I think 58, the Giants were gone. So the people that didn't want to root for the Giants, now they were gone. And so we had the people in my family that said, baseball is baseball. We're going to root for the one team that stayed. You know, that's it. Even though we hated the Yankees, they didn't abandon us. We're getting on board with the Yankees. And then we had the other ones that wouldn't do it and then jumped on the Mets board in 62. So. I really always had this kind of a very fun, right? But a very competitive thing with, with baseball. But this always, that's where the passion's from. Like, when I think about it, you're supposed to fight over it. You know what I mean? Not like, you know what I mean? Not real fight, but we're supposed to be fighting about it. That's like, it's a fun thing because I have found when you get your emotions out about the stupid stuff, when life really comes at you, yo, man, I'm easy peasy, slim and squeezy kid. You can't, you can't unfurl me because I just lost my shit over. A pancake that was the shape of Florida, you know what I mean, or whatever, you know, squirrel, you know, like I, because <laughs> I, 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 I let it loose, man. The valve, you know, if life is is a pressure valve, I let the valve swing, so it doesn't build up for me. I don't get jacked up, and that bleeds into even a lot of the other decisions we were talking about before. You know, everything's preset for me. You know, I know I'm emotional, so I know I have to preset. But yeah, my my opening day is is family, man. It's family. It's the sounds. It's and be, it's not even at the ballpark. It's like on the couch, like being a mm-hmm. fat, lazy kind of piece of crap and just enjoying, just enjoying familia and really having a great time. I'm almost, I'm audible, like, why did you touch me? Dude? Like, <laughs> you may make me cry right now. Go, go to Doc. Doctor, what are you, you going to say? <laughs> uh, so mine, mine is just, it's, 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 it's almost on the complete opposite end. And, you know, I'm a little bit younger, so I don't have too many opening days, especially where I've been super into baseball. But, I think this is kind of interesting. In 2010, Jason Hayward homered in his first at-bat off Carlos Zambrano. He hit the ball 475 feet. He was a really highly touted prospect. And I remember watching baseball tonight that evening. And Tim, and they're, you know, they're replaying that. They're talking about how great he's going to be. And Tim Kirchin says, you're going to be, this is going to be one of those moments where you tell your kids, you remember where you were when Jason Hayward hit his first home run. Oh, and man. And it's interesting because Jason Hayward has had a good career. He obviously had a big contract, but he wasn't what everybody wow. hyped him up to be. And that's just kind of the the realization of baseball of you can be drafted number one like Lou Kochaver, you can be hyped up like Jason Hayward, and that has no guarantees. And that's just kind of the beauty of the sport is obviously not you know when they perform, but there are people that are under the radar that have better careers than you could ever imagine. And it just kind of shows that it's always evolving. It's always hard work. And I just kind of, you know, Jason Hayward's had a great career, but I just think it was kind of interesting that it didn't pan out the way we expected. That's a life <laughs> lesson, man. You get a lot of those. Exactly. I, I still like John's answer better. Oh, that oh, one. No, we're, not competing. we're not competing. You made the big guy cry, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, his, his is better than mine. Uh, no, I mean, that one touched my heart generally. Like, luckily, my fiance's in the other room and she can't see me cry, so. <laughs> no, they love that, man. Get in the room there. <laughs> and I turned the sweetest thing. <laughs> Cheesecake, what's your, uh, what's your memory? Um, well, I, I, I've actually been able to use this for a question of the week before, but, uh, I was 12 or 13 years old. I mean, I grew up kid 
sitting in front of a baseball encyclopedia, flipping through the pages just to find, you know, just to see if there was a great season that I had never heard of before, stuff like that. And I'd go to family functions and I had two uncles who were huge baseball fans growing up in the Chicago area. One was a big White Sox fan, one was a big Cubs fan. And uh, so I would, we'd be at family functions and they would humor me and my brother because all we wanted to do was talk about baseball the entire time. And so we'd sit there watching sports and, you know, I'd be like, oh, I heard about this Chuck Klein season from 1930. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're, they're, they're baseball nerds just like I am. So I was 12 or 13. And my uncle Lee, uh, a couple of days before, said, hey, uh, we got some extra tickets to the Cubs opening day game. And, uh, you know, growing up in Chicago, growing up with a single mom, Cubs tickets were not easy to come by. Um, and uh, we got to take the day off of school to go downtown and uh, see, the, see the Cubs game. And that was um, Tuffy Rhodes hit three home runs on opening day that year. And uh, we had these amazing seats where we were right like 50 feet behind the Cubs dugout and to, and to see, you know, the crowd just erupt on these home runs, especially the third one. It was, it's a memory that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. You know, my uncle Lee has passed since then. He's a great guy. Always doing things like that for me. Uh, that's what, that's a great memory for me from opening day. That's an incredible one. Uh, I mean, all the ones you guys said are, are, just top notch. I, I really think baseball is a sport unlike it. And this is speaking from a guy that, uh, does a football show as well. And we're very much in basketball. This is a three sport program, but baseball, there is nothing like opening day there. It, it's its own separate thing away from everything else. So I, I mean, we're getting, we're having crying. We're having memory chair. <laughs> I mean, this is, cried. Cried. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what it is. That's what baseball is. I'm glad you guys shared those memories and all of them were great. Let's transition now to the last part of the show. And that's going to be our game of the week. Oh yeah. I had to give you the game show theme again. Just <laughs> fantastic. I love it. Oh man. I need sound effects. That's what I just learned. <laughs> I'll, uh, there's a free soundboard I'll use. I'll make sure I linked it to you. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, but okay, so the, the okay. game of the week. So we, we do like a lot of different games on this show. Art is really good. He has a lot of the games using data. Doc is does very uh, simple-minded games. Hey. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I like to do very wild card type of games. David likes to change the rules, so that's just a little heads up. So okay. today we're, we're doing, we try not to ever repeat any game we ever play. So... I went to the depths here. I watched some ESPN and I came up with the fantasy baseball spelling bee. So are you just like on ESPN or a wow. bunch of, old, we're going to be a bunch of older men spelling out baseball names. I right? love it. Let's do it. So you Gosh. each have five words. Each word, each round is going to be harder than the previous round. <laughs> Mike, Mr. Mike Yastrzemski is going to be on this list. If you get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if you get it wrong, the person that goes behind you has a chance to steal. If that okay. person can't get it, then obviously the last person has a chance to get the points. All right. <laughs> so this is going to be a doozy. I'll be interested to see how you guys are with your names here. 
I tried to pick some of the hardest ones I could find mixed with some ones to give you some confidence here. But whoever has the most points after five words wins. All right? All right. All right. All right. I read fan graphs enough. It should be easy, right? (laughs) All right. So the order we're going to go is Eric, John, Art. So again, remember, whoever gets it wrong, the person that's going next has the first chance to steal it. All right? All right. So you got to keep track of your own score because I'm not your mom. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so round one's worth one point. Round two's two points. Three, four, five. So all right. So let's let's get it started. <laughs> round one, word one for you, Doc. Randy Dobnak. You only need to spell the last name. Can I get the origin? Can you use it in a sentence, please? <laughs> You Randy Dobnak got lit up today. <laughs> you better spell Randy Dobnak right or you won't get a point. D-O-D-N-A-K? Yeah, that is correct. Randy Dobnak for one point, Doc on the board. All right, John, uh, your yeah. player is Mike Soroka. S-O-R-O-K-A. That is correct. Yeah. With confidence, so I love it. All right, Cheesecake, your word. Your player, Eddie Rosario. These are all easy. That's what round one. What's a one point? One point. R O S A R I O. All right, everybody with their confidence now. You got one point now. We can step it up a notch. Doc, your word, your player, Heimer Candelario. C A I C A. I N D E L A R I O. Do it one more time for me just to make sure I did it. C A I N D E L A R I O. That is incorrect. Already getting one wrong. John, you have a chance yeah. to steal. Yeah, no I. C A N D E L A R I O. That is correct. John. Yes. That's what I. Oh, I was That's why I wanted to make sure that that I was was like, does he know he put that I? I gave you the chance to correct it. John has three, but John, we're going right back to you. Right. Dallas Keuchel. Oh God. K e u c h e l. That is correct. I thought I might trick you, Keuchel. I spent a lot of time on Fangraphs, man. <laughs> John with a quick five. All right, Art. Yours is James Karinchek. K a r i n c h a k. That is correct. All right. So after two rounds. Those two, but not the first. So Doc with one. John has five. Cheesecake with three. All right, Doc, you ready for your third word? Yeah. Randy Rosarena. Show us your hands. (laughs) He's struggling. No, no, no. My thing muted out. A R O Z A R E N A. You are correct. Nice job. There any Rosarena. All right, Doc, you got that was a three pointer. I'm back in the game, baby. All right, John, your word, your player, Nick Marjavicious. Oh, that's Ooh, a tough that's one. Yes. M A R G E V I C I U S. Man, that was clean. That wow. is perfect. A nice wow, three pointer. Cheesecake, I gave you this one. You should know it. Give me Jeff Samarja. S-A-M-A-R-D-Z-I-J-A. Samarja. That's good. That was wow. really good. All right. I didn't even keep up. That was really good. I, I was like trying to, that, that was good. 
I so I knew that. I was hoping you were going to get it wrong. I don't think I don't know if I knew that one. Oh man! All right. Well, so both cheesecake and John both are perfect. Doc's still in there. If you can get these next ones right, let's go. All right, Doc. Round four, four points each. Your word, your player, JB Bokoskis. Oh man, I'm definitely taking no on this. <laughs> can you say it one more time? JB Bokos Bokoskis. Excuse me. Cousins of one of my good friends. He's from Bacoscus, okay. New Jersey. B. Bad joke. E. A. U. C. I. C. O. U. S. That is uh, the worst spelling so far. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I knew I was taking an L on this one. All I right. Was. John, you have a chance to steal. Uh, you know, no, I, no, I, no, I really don't. <laughs> no, I really don't. Oh, uh, boy. Jeez, name. Uh. I don't even know. B A K A U C U S. I don't know. The call that is incorrect. Yeah, uh, the now. I don't know. I don't even know what that is. Gosh, B U K B U K A U S K U S. Bukowska. Cheesecake. You were so close. It's K A S. Oh, can we give that to him? No. No. That was close. I I admit that was um. The only reason I put him on this is because he's cousins with one of my good friends, but he actually might be an Arizona closer by the end of the season, judging from spring training. But no, he's giving me the hardest one, David. All right, well, John, yours is Anthony Disclafani. Oh my gosh! <laughs> of course, <laughs> you're giving me zero ones. One. You painted that one for me. He gave me a he gave me a softball. Right? Uh, don't worry, the last one it makes up for it. No, okay, good. Yeah, so Disclafani is D E S C L. A F A N I, right? D, yeah, S C L A F A N I, yeah. Correct. That was a good one. Four points for you. Oh, not Cheesecake. surprised. Cheesecake, your word <laughs> is Mike Fultonevich. Ooh. Oh. F O I get this. T Y N E W I C Z. You have done your Mike Fultonevich research because that is yeah. correct. That's right, Fulton. Oh, right. Oh, man. David, you, you, you have a winner. I don't care what the score says. You, we have a winner. David, why are you giving me the, the tough ones? I feel like this was clear collusion. No, it wasn't. <laughs> you, gave me the, you gave me the one that everybody got wrong. I mean, Jay Sclafani is like a two-pointer. I guess I, I gave him, I, if you want to switch Marjevich's and Dee Sclafani, I feel like that was a good three and four. Yeah, 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 probably. That was a fair. That was a good one. Yeah. All right, so last ones. These ones are very tough. Don't worry, I balance this out for John. He's got the toughest of all five. Oh, okay. Or all five of the names here. So, Doc, your first one is Yoshitomo Tsugo. Oh, for the Rays. Japanese name. T S I T U G I O. Incorrect. No. No, I think no, it's I, yeah, I think it's O T S T S O T U G O. That is incorrect. Oh. Cheesecake. T S U T S U G O. That is correct. Okay. Oh T S U Oh good job. Nice. Nice job. So Susugo. Okay, cool. So I'm good at and Art is good at spelling last names. 
<laughs> All right, John, are you ready for your last one? I guess, man. I was really good at this. That was that was damn impressive, man. I'm I'm very impressed. Your yeah, your word is Asher Wojanowski. Oh my goodness. Oh, oh, that's that's a tough one. Yeah, I have no chance. I know it's W O J. Oh man. I have no idea. And I don't do myself any favors. So whenever he comes up on my podcast, I have to make a joke of it, and I'm paying. It's like, oh my, Hojima, 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 Kowski, or whatever. <laughs> uh, it's like, gosh, it's so Polish. It's like W O J I C K I M. All this. You had to get it. You were close. I know. Yeah. You know what's funny? I I did a tweet about him. And his entire family liked it on Twitter. Yeah, that's been like a new thing. Twitter uh, players getting involved on Twitter and like their family. So you, I'll get like you know, uh, Ashley Wojcikowski liked your tweet. I'm like, I wonder who that is. You know, <laughs> like apparently they're like they must be putting his name into the search term and just seeing like what. I, I hope nobody wrote anything bad about him today. You know, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. I he's being be he's being spelled on Triple Play Fantasy today. I mean, if art if art. Does this? I'm. We're, we're got to donate something to charity or something. <laughs> okay. The Savoy family comments a lot on us, so we love them. Yeah. Oh, I had Nick on the show. He is a great dude, man. Nick's a great dude. Smart guy. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You do. Yeah. Smart guy. Uh, cheesecake. What's your guess on Wojciechowski? Okay, so I, being from Chicago, I should know Polish names. W O J C I E C H O W S K I. That is correct. Oh, I knew it as it was coming out. Almost like you know what? I don't really. Wow. Know, but I do know the feeling of when the shot leaves your hand like that. Oh, that's coming <laughs> in. I as soon as he W O G C, I was like, oh, that's the one. Like that's it. That's it. I've that before, dude. You are the undisputed heavyweight champion. Yeah, you got to put that in your uh, for for fun. This was your last one, Kyle Ishioka. Oh wait. The catcher for the Yankees? Yeah. Higashioka? I'm sorry, Higashioka. H-I-G-A-S-H-I-O-K-A, Higashioka? Yeah, you are, you sweep the competition now. That's right. the way, that's the well, way to walk just, out. I'm yours. I'm yours. <laughs> I hope that I'm gets place. girls. That, that should get girls, you know? I'm in at place. The, at the spelling bees. I'm yours. Holy cow. At the spelling bees. Yeah. Yeah, you, you want to get those girls? Yeah. No, you know what's funny is I um I actually think cheesecake that the uh, the girls were watching, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if I can, uh, where where is it? Where is it? Hold on. I would have been great if I had had the uh the thing up for you. Oh, here we go. The girls want their cheesecake. LC, LC. Oh man, well, cheesecake. That is the way to end it. But cheesecake, little uh, cheesecake. Yeah. Fun. Wait, what? Lemon cheesecake? Little cheesecake. Oh, little cheesecake. Yeah. Is that like a rapper? You have a rap? Is it a rapper name? Do I have to ask yeah, now? It's, <laughs> See, oh, it is. Oh, it's, it, it, yeah, it's. Uh, it was a Twitter thing that David picked up on. Little plus the last thing you ate is your rap name, and oh. David thought it was hilarious. So I've been Little Cheesecake on this show for a year now. <laughs> okay. Lil, oh, and it's Lil. Excuse me, Lil Cheesecake. You know? Lil Cheesecake. <laughs> That's how everybody use, knows it. Yeah, I don't want to uh, use any extra T's that I don't have to. <laughs> you're, uh, you're, you're Derek Von Riper's favorite nickname in the industry. So there you go. I don't, he's an, that's another great dude, man. Derek is yes. another great guy. 
great we love having him on our he was yeah he was he oh he's a yeah he's a great dude a lot of fun super nice guy even he's like too nice you know he'll he carves out personal time for people Derek is such a good dude I actually regret, and I have, a, I have a piece of advice that no one asked me for, and it's if you do happen to be somebody that kind of wants to get into this stuff, be more like these guys and tap all your networking. I know I seem really good at it. I've been better of it as of late because I had to make a conscious effort, and it came from probably my first year. Uh, I I don't know. I just you know I embraced the lone wolf thing, which is okay when you're working, but. There is a communal nature to it. And if you even as a selfish bastard, you want to meet network people that can amplify you. And I wasn't doing that, you know, and uh, I was at the athletic and didn't really talk to Eno Saris or talk to Derek Van Riper. And you're like, what a, you know, what a, what a crime. It's a crime, you know, to, to be that close to even have been honored enough to call them a colleague, let's say, and not, you know, not really take advantage of it. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I kind of, that was a mistake of mine. That's why now I've really been trying to almost the second I have an idea. If I, I want to go right to the person that is into it, it's funny you mentioned Savale. I was thinking about injuries at the time. He's a DPT and said, let's go get it. Five minutes later, we were hooked up in all the show. So, yeah, you got to network. Got to make it happen, right? No one's going to give it to you. And if you're networking, John's one of the best guys to have on your show. And with that being said, we want to appreciate you for coming on tonight because this is an absolute blast for us. Tonight? I didn't realize. Oh, that, that, I'm tonight. so used to saying tonight because we always do Thursday nights. It's Thank tonight coming on. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes, yeah, tonight's somewhere. That's right. Uh, wherever you're watching tonight, this afternoon, whatever it is, John, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Oh my god, I don't want to leave. I'm having such a good time. I consider you guys friends now. I really do. Um, yeah, I was. I wasn't kidding. You know, I'm. I'm a fan, and we kind of hooked up with the TGFBI thing, and mm-hmm. I then the live stream thing. And there's certain people that I know I really like, and I, I'm. You know, if I can bother you off air, you can help me straighten up a little bit. I'm down. 22 pounds, I'm going to get back into... I was never like a skinny mini. Don't get me wrong. I'm never going to be like an underwear model. But I was I was always more like the brolic kind of stocky. I used to be a big uh, commercial electrician. And then kind of, I used to, you know, just training and fighting and stuff, gym work. And then I got hurt really bad, which has brought me here. You know, what brought me in the industry. But now that I've, I've been getting better and able to kind of do some stuff, I'm trying to shape up. And I know you're good for that. So I'll probably be taking you up on your offer to help me. You know, because I gotta get gotta get it right, man. Right? You gotta be there. I want to be there for those kids. I want to be around for a long time. I want to be breaking down opening day. You know, twenty sixty two, not uh, gone before my time. So, no, you I know. Really, I appreciate all the stuff you guys do. You guys are like, damn! I didn't even realize all the untapped shit that was going on here, man. I had, <laughs> I had, a, I had a ton of fun. You guys are, you guys are really fun as hell. I can tell you guys will really like each other and respect each other, and like the work comes through and. The, the formula here is phenomenal. Um, Eric, I'm going to be following you a little bit more. You're a funny bastard too. There's people <laughs> I, 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 have, I, there's certain things about people that I just absolutely love, and I don't know. You're, you're, you're the dry, like there's the dry wit, and then like, or is it, you guys just have this really kind of, it's very like sitcom esque almost. It feels <laughs> that's, that's those Thanksgiving dinners over the years. That's what yeah, happens when you're family, and then you decide to make a podcast. Is that wait? Wait, are we real family? You guys are like, or are, 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 we're all family? Yeah, that's not true. Is that true? Yeah, me, well, me and Eric that's are brothers. Shit. Yeah, that's then, funny. Wait, wait, wait. You, you two are brothers. We yeah. are. And then cheesecake. Oh, I, uh, I got the yeah. head shape a little bit. Like, yeah, you got that right. You both have like a mm-hmm. narrow kind of skinny. I get the head shape. <laughs> wait, and well, how was Art related? You guys don't look at all. How's Art related? I married their cousin. That's the best way to get into a good family. Yeah. <laughs>
I did the same thing. I did the same thing. It's good advice. That's good advice, people. That's good advice. No, I, that's really great. You know what's funny? I almost wish I would have said that. I was on the verge of it. That you get <laughs> a, you get that kind. Of, no, but you get that kind of a man. The bond that resonates. You know what I mean? Like that was what I was trying to describe. And yeah, you guys are doing it well. Cause just because your family doesn't mean you're going to tie you know tie together like that. I got some family that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> they suck. I've got some family that sucks, man. Let me tell you. No, you guys are you guys are awesome. I'm afraid I don't want to stop. You're going to turn off the camera, and we have to stop being friends. So. <laughs> no, you are, let me let me let me just do the thing that I always forget to do, which is I was going to say I was going to let you. I was going to write no. I, so. I never stop let working, you. and I never plug any of it. I never plug any of it. I'm always just like I never stop. So just follow me, and I'll take you somewhere. No, I'm. Um, well, I guess the draft kits are all in the rear view, and that's what it is. So now, um, people are doing FTN fantasy. It's as cheap as it gets. I think it's like twenty bucks for the whole season. If you sign up for the fantasy football package, you get the baseball for free. And then the DFS stuff is out. People are doing the optimizer thing. That's awesome. And then I'm working the FDN bets thing. I love betting on baseball. Um, you know, I kind of, you know, it's part of, it's part of the amalgamation of businesses that kind of keep my family afloat. And I usually tell a lot of people there is money to be made in it. You don't need a lot to get started necessarily. And if you put in a lot of time into baseball in the first place, this is an avenue to monetize it a little bit. I'm just, I'm just saying, I know it can be scary and intimidating and stuff like that, but almost like, man, it was like me. I started, you know, you start with a hobby and then before you know it, you keep your husband or your wife off your back. The best way to do it is to bring in cash with the stuff that you enjoy doing. And then maybe if you get lucky like me, it becomes an actual kind of career path for you. So yeah, I'm an FTN fantasy and FTN bets. And then I'm on Twitter at MLB moving averages and I'm on pork stats Right now, it's hot and heavy, man. I'm bringing that smoke. We'll see how long I can do it. That show is like, I, the, the reviews are like, they're, 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 they're so genuine that they almost borderline on like not being a compliment, but I don't care because I, I <laughs> wear it on my sleeve that it's like, your show is crack cocaine. I'm like, oh, all right, good, good, I guess. I guess. <laughs> like, well, like, man, this show is, you're like, this, this, you're borderline and unhinged. Okay, I, I guess that's that's cool. Like that's cool, but yeah, I bring that energy every single right. You can't fake it, man. And um, I don't know if it's if you guys have to go as a team. We gotta we have to do the mashup, and I have to get you on my me at the home field advantage where I could do a little less. I could do a little less talking. I'll be the one fourth instead of the three fourths, and that'll be a lot of fun because I like now that I hear the connections and stuff. I really I have a lot of I have a lot of questions, and uh. I'm, I'm looking forward to what you guys got coming in the future. We're going to have a hell of a lot of fun, man. Have me back. Bring oh, me back. Awesome. You are. No, it's all, you, 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 you got, you got it. You got it. You guys got it. You what? Uh, the door is wide open. I was, I was not kidding. I like to put, you know, I like to put the people I like forward and put the work that I use forward. And you guys are it right now. You're like a part of, I'm telling you, part of this, like there's a new wave of fun analysts. I've said it. Um, I talk about baseball as if it were football. Right. Generally, the only time you hear that kind of hooting and hollering and yipping and yamming is is football. And I think we can bring that. And I'm saying we because I can't do it alone. You guys are part of it. We're bringing that smoke. You know, we're bringing that fire to baseball. That that's kind of the reviews I guess. People are like, yo, man, you make that shit fun, and it should be right. Mm. So oh, no, I, I love it. I love it. And yeah. John is oh, now okay. a friend and of the show. Now- he is now a friend of the show, so he, you definitely will be expecting to hear him back on these airwaves sometime soon for sure. Next week, 
Make sure you guys tune in next week. We're going to be joined by Jeff Erickson. We'll be talking about some overreactions. We touched on it this show. We'll give you the full entree next episode. I don't even know if I said that right. But anyway, until then, baseball is back. Enjoy the game. Stay safe. We'll see you guys next week.